Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the centre of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Let me tell you a story about little Susie. Little Susie was lying in a meadow one day and she was watching the clouds roll by, thinking about how vast the sky was. And that made her start to think about God. And as she lay there pondering, she said, God, are you really there? To her amazement, this voice from the clouds said, yes, Susie, what can I help you with? So she grabbed hold of the opportunity and she thought of a good question to ask God. And she said, God, what is a million years like to you? Now, God knew that the concept of eternity would be a bit of a challenge for her, so he tried to word it in a way that she could relate. And he said, well, Susie, a million years to me is like a minute. She said, oh, well, what's a million pounds to you then, God? And God said, well, a million pounds, Susie, is like a penny. And then she thought for a moment and said, God, you're so generous. Can I have one of your pennies? And God replied, sure thing, Susie, in a minute. (laughs) How many of you love to wait? How many of you just love it? You see a big queue and you think, I want to join that. How many of you, when you're on the phone, think, I'm so excited that I'm caller number 17? How many of you just love it when you're sat in a traffic jam and you think it's not moving and I don't even know why? No? No hands up at all. (laughs) We find waiting hard, don't we? I find waiting hard. But I believe that there is power in our persistence. And today I want to talk about the power of persistent prayer. The power of persistent prayer. And to do that, I want us to take a look at the parable of the persistent widow that we can read about in Luke 18. Now, this is a really interesting parable because we're actually told from the outset what the parable is about. Many of the parables we have to read through and and learn afterwards uh, what it means. But actually, from the very outset with this parable, we know straight away what it's about. So really, it should be a, a straightforward one for us to understand and pretty plain for us to outwork. Yet... So many times this parable has been misunderstood. So let's take a look at it to see what Jesus is saying. Luke 18, and we're reading from verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? on the earth. So from the outset here in this parable, we're told that it's to show the disciples that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus describes this unjust judge who's approached by a widow to give her justice. Now the judge's role at the time would have been to decide who deserves justice and then to be the one who made sure that justice was done. So he would have been the one that had the power. The widow, on the other hand, wouldn't have done When a woman's husband died in that patriarchal culture, she would have lost her protection, she would have lost any standing in the community, she would often have lost her means of income, and she might not have even been entitled to his uh, property as inheritance either. 
And so this woman would have had no means of getting justice for herself. The judge would have been the one with power, and she was without power. And so she asks the judge to give her the justice that she needs. And she doesn't just ask once, she keeps coming and she keeps pleading with him. And her persistence is eventually rewarded when the judge does grant her the justice that she's been pleading for. And so it's a parable about persisting in prayer. We're told that. It's to show that we should always pray and we should not give up. But here's the issue. Although it's understood to be a parable about persistent prayer, all too often people think that the judge represents God. And we're like the widow, approaching God again and again, trying to persuade him, trying to plead with him for him to just listen, hoping that maybe, just possibly, he might grant us our request. If we can just get God round to our way of thinking, we can just twist his arm and plead with him to get on the same page with us, then maybe he might listen to us. The truth is that the judge serves not as a comparison to God, but as a contrast to God in this parable. The judge is not like God. The judge doesn't represent God here in this story. And there's a number of clues that let us know this. Twice, Jesus tells us that the judge neither fears God nor cares what people think. In fact, Jesus even has the judge say himself, I don't fear God or care what people think. Now, not only that, but he's referred to as an unjust judge. God is not like that judge. God is never indifferent like the judge. You can't bother God too much like the judge. God brings justice because he is just, unlike the unjust judge. He was just doing it to get the widow off his case. And Jesus poses this question, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And then he gives us the answer, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Of course he will bring justice for his chosen ones. Of course he won't just keep putting them off for the sake of putting them off as if they're bothering him too much. And so our persistence in prayer has the foundation in who we are as God's chosen ones and ultimately in who God is We don't persist in the vain hope that God might want to listen to us, might or might not care about what we're praying about. We don't approach him wondering what his feelings are towards us. We persist because we know that God loves us, that God cares about us, that God knows us, and that God is for us. Are we praying like we're approaching that judge? Are we praying like we're approaching God and wondering what the outcome is going to be when we pray? Are we wondering what his feelings might be towards us? Are we wondering whether he actually cares about the things that we're praying about? Or are we approaching the King of Kings knowing that we are daughters and sons of his? Let me ask you this question. When you pray, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to when you pray? Whatever it is that you're praying for, whether it's a health situation, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a a work challenge, whether it's a family member who doesn't know Jesus, whether it's an injustice that needs to be addressed, whether it's a nation to be changed. We're told not to give up, but to persist in prayer, to keep praying. Now, all too often, people do give up praying for something that they've started praying for. And there can be a number of reasons for this. It could be because maybe just the passions died out. Actually, there wasn't enough passion in the first place to sustain a kind of persistence in prayer. Or sometimes it's out of a fear that actually it won't be answered. And so why risk the heartache? Why risk the heartache of having God not answer the prayer that you really, really want him to hear? Jesus calls us his chosen ones. 
Jesus says that our identity is in him. We're not like the widow who had no rights or isn't related or connected to the judge in any way. We're chosen, and so we can persist in prayer with that identity. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we're in a relationship with God, we are confident that we are his children, and that means that we can communicate with him and we have the right to approach him. We're not nameless to God. We're not unknown to God like the widow was to the judge. We're known and we're cherished and we're loved. And it's with that identity that we're able to approach God in prayer. Not as people who aren't quite sure where we stand with God, but as those who can be confident of our standing in God. And so it's this relationship with your mighty and loving God. Within that, we're encouraged to always pray. Now, for those of you who might struggle with prayer, which, by the way, is every single Christian at some point in their lives, but for those of you who might struggle a bit with prayer, this idea of always praying might feel quite intimidating. So let me reassure you, this doesn't mean that you lock yourself away in a room and you don't ever talk to anybody and you don't ever play with your kids and you don't ever go to work and you don't ever eat and you just sit there and you sit in silence and hope that God will hear you. That's not what it means to always pray. Continually praying means that we involve God in every aspect of our lives. It means that we're talking to him throughout our day. It means that, yes, we set aside some time with God, but we also involve him in every other aspect of our days. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul writes that I keep asking, not because he's not confident that God hears but because he's so passionate about the church in Ephesus, knowing God and having that wisdom and revelation that he talks about. And so we persist in prayer because we're his chosen ones and have access to him as his children. And we persist in prayer because of who God is. We persist because of who God is. Do you know, our understanding of God should affect how we pray. Or let me put it another way. How you pray reflects your understanding of God. We don't pester God into doing what we want. We don't try and strong arm him into seeing things our way until he kind of eventually wears down and gives in to our requests. God is ready to hear our prayers. God longs to have a conversation with us. And so it's in that way that we should approach him. God listens to us as a loving parent listens to their children, delighting in hearing from us. The judge in the parable of a persistent widow is a contrast to God, not a reflection of God. And Jesus says, if even an unjust judge will eventually hear this woman's request, how much more will our just God respond when we pray? How much more will the God who made you and who knows you and who loves you respond when you pray to him? We persist precisely because we know that God is a God who hears and answers, not because we're wanting to wear him down from being unwilling to willing, from being disinterested to interested. Persistence in prayer is an act of confidence, not of doubt. Confidence that we're praying to the God who hears us, the God who is willing to respond, the God who is able to change things, the God who is all-powerful, all-loving, all-faithful, and all-good. Do you know we're not repeating our prayers because God's hard of hearing? <laughs> We're not repeating because he didn't hear us the first time. We're talking with the God who loves us and longs to be in conversation with us, longs to be talking with us, the God who is interested in us. Now, at this point, you may be wondering, 
well, okay, if God hears us and God answers prayer, then why do we need to persist in prayer? Why can't we just pray the one time and then God just answers it straight away and then we can just get on with things? And it's a good question. But here in this parable, persistence is being described as something that's good. And I think there are a number of reasons why persistent prayer is a good thing. The first thing is that persistence in prayer helps us to focus on who God is, helps us to grow our relationship with God. You know, the idea of praying isn't that we sort of reel off some sort of shopping list. Dear God, I'd like a new car, a promotion. Can you heal my knee? My neighbor's cat's a bit sick as well. Thanks very much. Amen. Right, what's for dinner? You know, we don't pray in this kind of shopping list way. We pray in conversation with God, speaking to God and hearing from him. It's a two-way conversation where we can develop our relationship and learn more about who God is. On Alpha, there's a talk called, Why and How Should I Pray? And in that week, uh, group leaders are encouraged to pray with their groups, often for the first time on Alpha. And the advice given to the leaders is for the first leader to open up in prayer, leave a bit of space for anybody who decides they want to pray out loud, and then uh, the second leader will close in prayer. Now, to the first leader, the advice is do not use Christian jargon. Don't use overly flowery language. Don't use the kind of stuff that's going to intimidate new believers into thinking, well, I can't do that, so I'm not even going to give it a go. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Now, in that little bit of space between that person opening and that person closing, I have heard some beautifully stunning prayers. The kind of simple, straightforward, non-performance prayers of somebody just having a go at talking to God. It's amazing. I'd really recommend you helping out on Alpha and hearing those wonderful prayers. The second benefit of persisting in prayer is it helps us to focus on what is really important. Do you know when God puts a burden or a passion on your heart, you just long to be able to talk to him about it. You just long to be able to bring it to him and involve him in your conversation. And the more you talk about it, the more that God can deepen that passion or that burden or that dream that you've got. It's an opportunity to have that kind of fire stoked inside you. If we persist rather than give up, we'll discover that God can deepen and work in our passions and our burdens. That as our heart breaks for what breaks his, then he can set us on fire for the things of the kingdom. We get to focus on the things that are really important and let the things that aren't so important just fall away. The third benefit of persisting in prayer is that persistence can act as a, a refiner or even a, a redirector. Um, the more regularly we pray, the more we get into line with God's will. And that's got to be our motive in prayer, hasn't it? To, to pray your kingdom come and your will be done, God. That, that what we're praying is in line with what God's will is, not something that we're kind of deviating, go off on our own. Um, now, there are a number of things that can happen when we pursue things that are outside of the will of God. So sometimes God says a firm no and a door is closed and we recognize it and we accept that and we move on. Other times, and it can just sometimes happen, that somehow we manage to get what we want and then eventually we figure out that actually that wasn't God's best for us. But there's a better way. God, we, if we allow God to refine our prayers as we pray, if we pray regularly and continually to God and allow him to refine and, and sometimes redirect our prayers to be in line with his will, then we can continually be saying, God, your will be done. Now, the fourth reason why persistence in prayer is such a good thing is that God can answer those persistent prayers in the most beautiful of ways. A couple of months into the pandemic, my mum died. 
and she'd been active and well and suddenly was rushed to hospital with COVID symptoms. She very quickly fell unconscious and I was told that she would have a 1% chance of survival. Now we prayed desperately and miraculously she woke up and for a week she spent time recovering in hospital and then she was sent home and we thought she was recovering but it turned out that her body being starved of oxygen during that time had a devastating effect. And so a couple of weeks later she was back in hospital and she never woke up from her surgery. Now because of the restrictions at the time, I wasn't allowed to go in and visit her until her very final moments. And so last year, on the 29th of May, I stood in the hospital room just before the life support machines were about to be turned off. And I stood in this most painful and surreal moment, wearing full PPE, a mask, a visor, gloves, an apron, to say my final goodbye to my mum. And I stood there in full confidence that she was going to go to heaven. I stood there in the full knowledge that she was going to go to be with God. See, when I became a Christian, the first thing that I knew I needed to pray for was for my mum to know Jesus. That was my first priority. She was top of the list when it came to the people that I was praying for to come into a relationship with Jesus. She was usually my re most regular prayer request to others. She was the one that I'd often be asking the Holy Spirit, God, give me the right words to be able to talk to her about Jesus. And do you know what? God answered my prayer. And she gave her life to Jesus. And from that moment on, for the rest of her life, she followed Jesus. And so as I was stood in that hospital room, I had the full confidence that she loved God and that she was going to be with him in eternity. Now, church, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know why God didn't answer my prayer for her to be healed. But I tell you what, I will never stop thanking God for the greater miracle it is for her salvation and the knowledge that she is spending eternity in heaven with him. And do you know what? For that, I would have prayed thousands more prayers if I'd needed to. I would have prayed thousands upon thousands more prayers. Whatever it is that you are praying for, unless God says no, don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying and remember who it is that you're talking to. Remember you are talking to the God who made you and who is for you. Remember you are talking to the God who is the creator of the whole universe but still cares about your exam results. The God who made everything but still cares about that person you think you might like. Still cares about the headaches you've been getting. Still cares about your friend who's facing a challenging time. Still cares about your sister who doesn't yet know Jesus. Still cares about your brother who is facing persecution. Still cares about every aspect of your life. Remember who you're talking to. The God who is overall who loves you and created you and cherishes you. And so we persist in prayer because of who we are. We persist in prayer because of who God is. And thirdly, we persist in prayer because we can trust in God's promises. The parable of the persistent widow ends in an interesting way. After Jesus has told the disciples that they should pray and never give up because God is a God who will grant justice and quickly, he then goes on to say, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying, when he returns, when he comes back again, will people have persisted? Will they have waited in faith for him? It's a great question. Jesus comes back tomorrow. Will he find faith, faith in the church? Will he find faith in this church? Will he find faith in you if he comes back tomorrow? But how do we have faith in the waiting? How do we have faith when we are waiting? Jesus says, 
that God will see that his chosen ones will get justice and quickly. Now, if you've ever prayed for something for a while, then you might be thinking, what's gone wrong? Because I'm not seeing an answer quickly at all. Really doesn't feel quick to me. Now, two things for us to keep in mind on this. Firstly, when we think about timings, it's sometimes hard to think about a lifetime or even an eternity because we love a quick fix, don't we? We live in a society of quick fixes. Look how popular TV talent shows are and reality TV shows are. How much do we love this overnight success ideal? Little work, maximum outcome. But much as we might bemoan the X Factor or Love Island for prompting people to want to get famous overnight, actually, it's not a new thing, this kind of idolizing of overnight success. Take the Beatles, for example, one of Britain's most famous overnight successes, right? They were often described as having burst on the scene, as if they'd just suddenly arrived and became famous overnight, as if their fame and success happened all of a sudden. But it didn't. They actually went through a number of names, the Black Jacks, the Quarrymen, Johnny and the Moondogs, before they settled on the Beatles. You can see why, maybe. They had other band members that got replaced by Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. They did hundreds of gigs in tiny venues with not many people there. They spent two years in Germany trying to get every single booking that they possibly could. So they were an overnight success that was years in the making. When we look at timings in light of a lifetime or even in light of an eternity, it can help us gain perspective. The second thing that can help us have faith in the waiting is that in contrast to the unjust judge, God doesn't just put us off unnecessarily. He doesn't just make us wait because he feels like it. In the parable of the persistent widow, the judge refused to grant the widow's request for so long because he was unjust. If God ever makes us wait, or if God even says no, it's because he's God and because he knows best and we can trust in his promises. It's not because he's unjust and it's not because he doesn't hear us. It's because he's God and we're not. Putting our trust in God's promises, being confident that he knows all things, that he knows the beginning from the end, that can help us to have faith in the waiting. While we are waiting, we can still hold on to faith in God so that when Jesus returns, he finds us full of faith, full of anticipation of him. So let me come back to my question. When you pray, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Are you approaching an unjust judge and you're trying to twist his arm? You're wondering, where do I stand? Is he even listening to me or not? Can I just persuade him and sort of nag him into answering my prayer? Or are you praying to the God who is for you, the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who longs to hear from you, the God who wants conversation and relationship with you? Are you praying in the confidence that you are his chosen one, that you are his daughter or son? Are you praying in the confidence of who God is and that his promises to us are true? There is power in persistent prayer. And I believe that as we pray individually and corporately, as we persist in prayer, that God will do incredible things within us and around us. Do you believe that this morning, church? We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.